Chapter 8, Eyes Like a Scientist, Framing Safety as Part of Scientific Practice for Students. There is an element of danger about science that is attractive to some students and induces anxiety in others. For certain, science is associated with Ebola virus, nuclear weapons, earthquakes, deadly neurotoxins, and other threats to life and limb. If it is unsafe, somewhere scientists are studying it. That danger easily extends into the science classroom, and science teachers are well aware that an oversight on their part could actually result in student injury. As teachers, we are the adults in charge, in loco parentis, as the lawyers say, and are responsible for our students' safety even as we introduce the risk. English teachers worry less about this sort of thing. When I was a student, I hated goggles, even though I knew I had to wear them to protect my eyes in lab. They fogged up, left marks on my face, and generally got in the way of me clearly seeing what I was doing. I was less hostile toward lab aprons. They at least helped me keep my clothes clean. It was not until I was a student teacher that I started thinking about goggles as anything other than a necessary annoyance. During a lab, when one of my students put on her goggles and apron for the first time, she smiled and said, I feel like a scientist. I interpreted this as the sort of remark anyone playing dress-up might make, pleasant yet trivial. My cooperating teacher arched her brow and looked at me like I was supposed to say something. When I did not, she turned to the student and responded, That's because you are a scientist. I am sure I had previously heard something about nurturing students' identities as scientists in one of my courses, but I did not fully understand the idea until that moment. The benefit of having students wear safety goggles is that they protect their eyes as well as their teachers' livelihoods. Further, this practice also instills in students one of the most important values of engaging in science and engineering, that of mitigating risk and maintaining a safe environment in which to work. As a student, I once viewed safety goggles as a barrier between the science and me. Now, I see them as an element of the toolkit for inquiry. As a relatively new teacher, an appeal to authority felt like the path of least resistance. I taped a photocopied regulation to the goggle cabinet, given to me by another chemistry teacher who had found it a useful defense for her insistence that the kids wear safety goggles in the lab. Still, I was not very good at enforcing my goggle policy, and every so often in lab a student would end up at the eyewash station, while a few students would joke about me getting sued for it. Finally, I just laid down the law. Everyone always wears goggles in the lab, no exceptions. This would lead to exchanges like the following. Student, I hate these things. They give me raccoon eyes. Why do we have to wear them? Teacher, because you're boiling water, and it's New Jersey state law. Student, oh, like I really wear goggles at home when I boil water for mac and cheese, Mr. Larkin. Over time, I learned to see the role of goggles in labs differently. Goggles serve an important signaling function to students that safety is an integral part of the practice of real science, not just school science. Like wearing seatbelts in a car, the issue goes beyond compliance with the law. It reduces the chances of injury in the event that there is an accident, and we know there will be accidents. I will never forget the time a student had a seizure in the lab area of the classroom while my students were boiling sodium hydroxide in beakers over open flames. Thankfully, no one was hurt, but it could have been a much worse situation. My advice for science teachers these days is to signal to students that safety practices are an integral part of scientific inquiry and engineering. In my work as a science teacher educator, I've had the opportunity to visit a number of research and manufacturing facilities, and in each place the importance of safety has been visible on every surface. Though ever-present, these messages were not coercive or rooted in obedience to authority. 
The implicit message in these institutional practices is that when the working environment is not safe, things go wrong, people get hurt, and the project suffers. Of course, there are more direct consequences for unsafe working conditions and practices like higher insurance premiums, workers' compensations, lawsuits, and fines from state and federal regulators. Certainly, these are necessary backstops to ensure that regulation and safe practices are followed. But the bigger idea is that a safe working environment is good for science. Framed this way, safety is more than just an ethical or legal obligation. It is a way to ensure that science goes on. As science teachers, we can also deal out our consequences for non-compliance, but it is always worth fostering students' internal motivation by framing the wearing of goggles and adherence to other safety guidelines in terms of an ethic of mutual responsibility and as an integral part of the practice of science. This seems preferable to framing a goggle policy as simple adherence to state law, as I did as a new teacher. Part of what makes the enforcement of goggle rules difficult is that circumstances can easily turn oppositional when students resist, and a coercive approach to safety may actually backfire. If we treat lab as a reward for engaging students in the less exciting parts of class, and then turn lab into a chore anyway, adding on one more oppressive rule about goggles may cause students to feel that doing science is simply not worth the hassle. As a teacher, I have found the most success by having a one-warning policy, after which the students take a short time out, and if it happens again, a long time out. Some teachers have very strict policies, while other teachers, usually new ones, are a bit more lax in their goggle policy because they want to choose their battles carefully. They might wonder if it is really worth having a confrontation over goggles with a challenging student who is deeply engaged in the lab activity. This is where minimalist strategies can come in very handy. Looking directly at the student and tapping my own goggles is usually enough though sometimes just saying the word goggles will do. Occasionally, I will playfully inform my students that I have a very peculiar auditory disorder, which causes me not to hear them if they are not wearing goggles. I generally tend to avoid sarcasm in the classroom because it tends to wear away at the trust necessary for open communication with students, but this strategy has worked unexpectedly well. Goggles can work as a signifier of real science at all levels, not just in high school science laboratories. I've had numerous occasions to counsel teachers, administrators, and science departments in elementary and middle schools who are working toward a more student-centered and inquiry-based approach to science teaching. Often in these places, there has already been a degree of upheaval and change, and it is not unusual to find lab rooms or warehouses with unboxed science kits or supplies. In situations like these, the most pressing question is where to start. My advice is usually the same. Find a set of safety goggles for the classroom, set aside some spares for later, and install a goggle cabinet. Then give the students the opportunity to act and feel like scientists. Yet there is a compelling critique that this whole business of goggles as a signifier of science is problematic. Part of the reason students feel like scientists when they put on goggles is that the dominant cultural images of science and scientists are skewed towards a particular vision of what counts as science and who is able to do it. There is a great deal of authentic science inquiry that go gets done without goggles, and we do our students a disservice if we as science teachers depict scientists and the practice of science as only existing within such a narrow frame. I want to end this chapter with a brief story about safety goggles and an unexpected opportunity to leverage one student's home life and culture into a science teaching moment. During my first year of teaching, I received a copy of a demonstration intended to scare students into wearing their goggles. 
It seemed so weird that I never thought about actually doing it, but I often read the procedure to my students. The demonstration required only a cow eyeball, anatomically similar to the human eye, and a little sulfuric acid, and was designed to simulate what would happen in the event of a laboratory accident. One year I did not get around to telling my students about this demonstration until December, when my third period class was being particularly careless about wearing goggles. I had been forced to pull a few kids out of the lab after multiple warnings, which I hated doing. The next day I gave a long-winded goggle speech and mentioned the cow-eye demonstration. It was no longer the beginning of the year, and the students were less timid than they had been in September. They began to badger me that we should actually do the demonstration in class. Sorry, folks, I said, but where am I going to get cow eyes? Sarah, a girl in the second row, raised her hand. She was normally very quiet, so I rightly suspected I was going to be obligated to walk my talk. My dad runs a slaughterhouse, she said sweetly. I'm sure if I ask him, he'll give you some cow eyes. Indeed, her father ran a small halal butchery, and as a result of this suggestion, she would also get the chance to explain a, a bit about Islam and halal food practices to her classmates. Following my visit to get the cow eyes, we came to know her family well, and did our Indopac shopping at their store a few blocks from our house in Trenton, New Jersey. A few days later, I arrived early for school with a small styrofoam cooler in hand. I stood at my desk about an hour before the students arrived, trying to figure out exactly how I was going to do the demo. With goggles on, I slipped on a latex glove and gingerly plunged my hand into the bag of cow eyes. They were the size of ping-pong balls and felt like peeled hard-boiled eggs. I tried really hard not to be grossed out as I let a drop of concentrated sulfuric acid fall onto the cornea of one I had managed to grasp, and within a few seconds it turned from clear to cloudy white. Nothing more dramatic than that happened, but I knew that for the safety message to get across to students, nothing else needed to happen either. Only Sarah's class knew the demonstration was coming. All of the others had to guess what was in the cooler first. I had them put on their goggles, and then I walked around the desks and showed them each an unblemished bovine eye. Then I dabbed the acid on it and carried it around again with a fresh eye for comparison. They were sickeningly awestruck, and I knew I would never have a goggle problem again. Indeed, I did not. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen, said my number one behavior problem. If you did stuff like this every day, I would be your best student.